This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Travel Is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hi, my name is James Nanos. I'm the director of hotel partnerships at Stay Wonderful. And what I love about travel is getting outside of my comfort zone. So I just did a two-week trip to Paris, Bordeaux, Barcelona, and London. I don't speak anything but English. It was a solo trip, so just love getting out, meeting new people, new experiences. It's not enough to just acquire a hotel guest. You need them to come back again and again. That's where, as we've all heard a million times, loyalty programs should come in. Despite the role technology plays in loyalty programs, there is no substitute for good, old-fashioned relationships. But if you put the two together, you've got a winning combination. Coming up, you'll hear how to pitch to hotels, landlords, and hospitality management companies alike, and the unique combination that Cornell and the National Guard have played in James's journey to grow Stay Wonderful. This is Travel Is Your Business, covering the intersection of technology and business in the travel industry. Hey, James. Welcome to the show today. John, best. Thank you both for having me. Excited yeah. to be here. Yeah, man. Good to have you. Um, I have a question right, for, right off the bat for you. Um, how do you think independent hospitality brands should think about retaining their customers? And it's a little bit of a softball you got. <laughs> <laughs> Can't figure. So that's a, that's, that is a softball, and I'm glad you, you warmed <laughs> me up with it. But... Uh, it's, it's one, it's critically important. You know, I think you, you've had other guests on the show speaking about OTA contribution and managing those direct bookings. I think especially in the end of independent hospitality space, you know, that's even more critical because you don't have the distribution network of a Marriott or a Hilton. So that independent property, or if you're part of a smaller management group with 8, 10, 20, 30 hotels, Every direct booking matters, capturing that guest. And, you know, what we do to help that is those sort of tangible guest rewards. So providing a differentiated experience to the guest and then, you know, continuing that conversation with them after the fact, whether that's on social, email campaigns, what have you, to really build that brand affinity. Mm-hmm. Are there things that you think um, uh, hospitality brands could do better even during the experience to to retain customers because I mean it's you know not every not everybody travels every day and a lot of the time you know um, recurring customers would, would be business travelers and sure. so most business travelers end up staying with the chain given the points know, the yeah. points and the TMCs and stuff depending on who's booking them um, how can an independent really get in there and and make a difference and kind of um, yeah, definitely. And there's there's a number of companies out there doing this. It's it's all about that personalization. So I have some interesting stats from a, an Oracle study that, you know, said close to 80% of guests prefer immediate sort of tangible benefits over points. So for instance, I'm sitting on 18,000 Amtrak points that are mean nothing to me because I couldn't use them when I wanted to go home for Christmas because it's, you know, abhorrently expensive. And then I'm that traditional leisure traveler. So I'm traveling once or twice a month. I'm not a road warrior. So I know I'm never going to get the, hit that higher status tier. So providing them with it, whether it's a, a surprise and delight moment, you know, hey, champagne toast at the bar, 
or it's it's you know an Uber credit, a Sephora gift card. So personalizing these small but high perceived value rewards is really what sort of keeps them coming back and is what property level they can do, you know, pretty easily. 61%, you know, of guests want to choose their own rewards. So don't lock someone into a, you know, a free room night when they're never going to use it. Let them pick that shopping experience or that VIP or that wine tasting instead. But out of curiosity with that, so, okay, let's say you recognize the customer by giving them um, something tangible, as you said. How does that drive affinity to that specific property? Sure. So if they get it at every property in an ideal world, right? If wonderful <laughs> fuel is wonderful is being used at every single property. Well, that's that's the end state. We hope to be in every single you know independent right. property by the year's end. We'll see. We're there. We're in over two hundred fifty hotels now, but it's it's not so much. It is a differentiator right now for the hotel, and it does, at least in our you know early stages, it does pro- provide that differentiation to that specific property. As we grow, if that becomes the norm, I think it's more, you know, look at free, you know, Wi-Fi used to be a premium add-on for hotel rooms, you know, maybe 10 years ago, you would have to pay an extra little bit or premium brands are still doing that for that upgraded business class Wi-Fi. Now, that's sort of a an assumed, that that's a given, That is that is not a, an upgrade anymore, that is a status quo, if you don't have this, I'm less likely to come. So yeah. I think we would like to get to that point, where whether it's, you know, upgraded room nights, whether it's, you know, hello, John, thank you for coming back, you know, the front desk should know who you are when you walk in the door, you know, you walk into the room, the TV says your name, and we have your favorite six pack of beer sitting in there, like, I think we're raising the bar of service, and I don't think it's going to dilute the that aspect of it by any means. I think it's we're just trying to raise the bar across the board. Could you walk um, walk us through the product a little bit? Because um, I I went right in for a question. I'd like to <laughs> like show me as, as a hotelier or a property manager what I'm experiencing with Stay Wonderful. Sure. So from the hotel side, pretty fire and forget. So we sit natively on the hotel's website. We look like we're part of the hotel's design, color scheme, everything like that. Rewards are native to you. Or if you're a New York boutique hotel, you know, they're going to see big red bus tours. They're going to see in-flight Wi-Fi credits, Sephora, Bloomingdale's, really personalized to the area. Um, But then on the guest side, Again, it looks, and this is what's really important for that brand affinity, it looks like this hotel is giving you the rewards. They don't know it's Stay Wonderful. So we are almost a white-labeled solution for that hotel. So the guest is, is thinking, hey, I'm getting rewarded for booking direct, given price parity with the OTAs. You know, they're playing whack-a-mole, but you're never going to see a huge swing in prices, or very rarely. So given that price parity, like, we are that, instance that gets guests to book direct and then on the hotel side really robust analytics back-end information about the guest where they're coming from what their reward propensities are so you can continue to retarget them and re-engage with them after the stay very interesting and are you do, is there um a component of that 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 manages any of the retargeting as well customer data how are you handling that that piece or is it all passed on dire- directly to the hotel yeah it's all pa- it's all through our our dashboard and passed on directly to the hotel and as you know one of the big benefits too is you know as as a 
as an OTA, you're not you're getting that guest alias email for maybe two to three weeks after the fact. Here, since it's a direct booking, you're capturing that guest data that otherwise, you know, they're gone. They're they're back in the black hole of of good luck trying to to retarget them and get them again. If you don't capture them while they're, you know, I think hotels are so interesting because this is the only business where your customer is literally sleeping in your place of business for <laughs> 24 to 48 yeah. hours. If you can't capture them during that period of time, like you know, shame on you. So mm, this is interesting. Definitely, there's a lot of like I think about when I'm in a hotel, an independent hotel in particular, and just how unique it feels, right? Like, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the one. That's the, one of the problems, I think, right? Um, <laughs> in in Paris, I stayed in that um, it just had like a completely unique vibe to itself, right? Mm-hmm. And it actually made me think a little bit of like a New York boutiques, actually. Um, I guess I'd be curious, you know, because I felt like a lot of that was uh, was well managed. Um, what do you think hotels could be doing differently using you know in to- like in a not just a technology perspective mm-hmm. in terms of booking, but like um, you know you went to Cornell and have hotel been around school, yeah. yeah exactly and been around hotels a little bit. What do you what do you wish hotels were doing differently? I guess I don't. I think the independent properties inherently they're fighting an uphill battle from. A distribution st- from a brand standpoint, I think meta search and social are two key aspects that an independent really has to double down on. If you compare, who is it? The Knickerbocker in New York City, I think does a fantastic job with their social campaigns and engaging on Instagram and taking really not salesy, but like, hey, this is our bar. Like, come on in. It's really cool. So they're not only building a external guest facing, but they're capturing local New Yorkers who are looking for a cool bar or F&B outlet to go to. So differentiating themselves that way. And then on the meta search side, you know, I think Google with their hotel ads platform, you can get really powerful targeting, you can do advanced bookings now length of stay by check in date, Um, their new ads API. So like, you know, using uh, who was it? Uh, Ignition One or, or a platform like that to to really target and sort of cut out the OTA or, or capture that guest before they go into Expedia and start diving down that rabbit hole. I think those are the two big things that yeah. independents can do. And then how about kind of the battle between independence and home share, mm. right? Would you ever want to bring wonderful into home shares? Would that kind of uh, undercut what you're trying to do with inter- independent hotels? Or do you see that as a, as a way to scale? That's, no, that's a great question. We're starting to, to dip our toes into that space. So we'll, it, it really, we'll, we'll see how things pan out. I think, you know, as, as we've seen, Airbnb is now listing home shares on there. Or I mean, uh, excuse me, uh, independent hotels on the platform. It's all starting to blend. I think the the lines between traditional hotel stay, traditional, you know, uh, aggregator, meta search site, traditional booking engine, it's all starting to blur. So I wouldn't be surprised. And I think some are doing this. I forget the name. There's one in Philly where it's an independent property, but they also have apartments right around the corner that are serviced by like the house, the uh, room service of the hotel. So we're starting to see that blend where if I just want a you know, two double bedroom to myself, great. I don't want the premium presidential suite 
fine. But if I'm doing an extended stay, why not have the functionality of the hotel coupled with, you know, a more traditional one bedroom apartment. So I feel like home if I'm that road warrior or consultant who's there five days a week, and then out and back. Got it. So, so to that note um, on personalization mm-hmm. and the presidential suite versus the shared bunk room, do you, how do you adjust the incentives and gifts you give based on customer spend or just knowledgeable knowledge about share of wallet of that particular customer? Sure. So th- there's a number of factors that go into to what's displayed the ultimate dollar value of the reward. One of those drivers is obviously ADR and sort of what we're, you know, we take a fee for success model as part of our commission structure. So we all, and that fee covers all the fulfillment rewards. But yeah, if it's a $6,000 week long, all inclusive, obviously we can afford to provide higher perceived value, higher actual dollar value rewards. So that $5 Uber credit might be a $50 Uber credit or that, you know, complimentary, wine tasting might be, uh, you know, three flights or something like that. So we can scale up and down from the, you know, basic economy segment where they might just be getting one reward up to the the ultra premium where it's very highbrow, very brand centric, because what you don't want is that super high end brand feeling like, like they're diluted with more economy sort of focused rewards. And so you're not taking a commission on this, right? It's uh, it's just direct SaaS solution to the hotels, or are the merchants also paying as a percentage? Nope. So we are fee for success model. We only okay. take a commission from the hotels if we incentivize that booking with our rewards. So pretty, pretty transparent, pretty fair. We want to be aligned with the hotel in increasing those direct bookings, steering them away from more expensive channels, and letting them start to build that affinity and you know relationship with the guest. Got you. And and so, what is the kind of um, the ROI been? I guess in on an average, um, is there sure typical it's it's uptick? you know it's tough to you can't lock it in because there's you know a, a you know an eight hundred resort casino is going to have a different right. spend <laughs> clientele rate uh, uplift than that you know fifty room you know smaller sort of more maybe in a tertiary city property. But, you know, we're seeing a 20 plus percent uplift in direct bookings upon using the Stay Wonderful incentive engine. So we do a test, you know, 50-50 A-B split test. So the hotel really gets that data on, is this working? Is it not working? And hey, some properties already have a great, you know, uh, great repertoire of repeat guests. They, They really already have that strong conversion. So maybe they're not needed for us. That's fine. You know, good for you guys. Whatever you're doing, fill me in on that secret sauce because, you know, other hotels would like to be more like that. So. And is it uh, fee for success in this capacity only for new new business or is it for the existing kind of uh, community, I guess you would say, that, that continues to come back to them? Correct. Yeah, it's just across, just across the board. Oh, it's across the board. Yeah, I yeah. see. So, Bess, how, how are airlines doing the same thing, you know, sort of from a global perspective? What initiatives are being done to to manage that contribution and encourage the the similar aspects. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting topic, right? Um, and it's very interesting to see that some airlines are pulling their inventory fr- from those channels um, and really encouraging book direct when they can. But I know that it's something that airlines really do struggle with and are looking for tools 
to incentivize Book Direct, especially because it's very hard for airlines and I think hotels as well to communicate to their customers the value of Book Direct. And with airlines specifically, what it is is that if there's any sort of disruption, if the flight is delayed, if it's canceled, the airline cannot communicate directly to the customer that information. So beyond the marketing piece, which is really important, that piece is core to customer experience, but it's very hard for an airline to communicate, hey, your flight might get delayed. You should book direct in case that happens. So something like Wonderful could be really interesting for the airline use case as well. Let's do it. Let's create some loyalty. Um, (laughs) James, you, you brought us something that is a really fun way. We're, this is a morning for us right now. <laughs> what do you have for us here? So, John, it just so happens, you know, we're recording this on President's Day. So I thought it'd be a little fun to bring in uh, some champagne, make some mimosas. We have some, you know, delicious croissants and, and carbs here. If, you know, people don't like carbs, you can't trust them. So this is how I break bread with people if they don't like carbs. Literal bread. Yeah. <laughs> literal bread. We are literally breaking bread this morning. So... Awesome. Well, uh, let's start brunch then, I guess is what we're about (laughs) to do. do. Do you love to laugh? Do you love great interviews with a lot of heart? Do you like good stories? Do you like to hear about life? Well, good news, because if you listen to a show called Funny People Talking, all of that happens, right, Danielle? All of it happens. Every single thing you said on that list and more. Hey, well, Elsie, does any of it not happen? It all happens. Come on, Elsie. <laughs> okay. It right. really happens. Okay, well, you should join us on Funny People Talking on Mouth Media Network. You can find us anywhere you can find a great podcast. And I know it's true because these people loved it. <laughs> Only for a short time while they were listening to the show, Then Life Sucked. Listen to Funny People Talking. Keep up with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Our episodes are available on iTunes and Google Play and online at travelisyourbusiness.com. Plus, there are a lot more great shows on Mouth Media Network. Take a trip to mouthmedianetwork.com to enjoy them all. And remember, we love fan mail. Drop us a note to say hi, suggest a guest, or if you'd like to become a sponsor on the show, email us at travelbizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. So James, uh, larger hotel chains are, have a notorious, um, notoriously complicated, I suppose, uh, chain of command between you know the actual property itself, the regional, and then the corporate. Um, for, for startups, it can be a little bit difficult to, to find the right person to talk to. Have you found the structure similar in independent hotel space, or how has that kind of played out? Great question. And, you know, selling into the hotel space is certainly a unique uh, challenge or opportunity. We're not going to say it's a challenge. It's an opportunity where you're absolutely correct. On the branded side, you have owners, management groups, the brand, and the brand really dictates the standards. In our case specifically, like operating on a hotel's website that's a brand's no-no. You know, we are in talks with some of the larger chains to do a pilot and get out there. But exactly that. 
it's you have to get pretty high on the totem pole within the bigger groups. Independents, though, are a very different story. So if it's a true independent, just a, a one property group or, or LLC that's operating, let's say, a 200-room independent you know, on the Cape or somewhere. So identifying that decision maker and, and going from there, knowing that at the, the smaller property level, that GM has his hand in everything. They might not have a revenue manager, or if they do have a revenue management solution, it might be outsourced. So oftentimes we'll find ourselves calling into that hotel and finding out it's a, it's a RevGen or a Revenate sort of outsourced model who then we are talking to that person sort of outside the company as their, you know, go-to knowledgeable expert, um, talking to the director of sales and marketing. Again, that role, depending on the size of the property, that person might manage it for three or four hotels, or they might manage it for one, or they might not be there at all. And you're talking to the assistant GM or just that one sales manager who predominantly does group bookings, but also has their hand in everything else. So it is interesting. So you have like landlord, you mean owner, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the property owner. Then the hospitality management company mm-hmm. who actually operates and does, you know, the staffing and everything for that. Correct. And the hotel uh, chain corporate if they if they if exist. They have a flag, yeah. Right. And so if, is there in between, like the Knickerbocker is another example. You know, I think they are run by a Highgate by a Highgate mm-hmm. brand. So that's the hospitality management company, right? Mm-hmm. So there's this middle ground where there isn't that flag on it. Or I shouldn't say the flag, but there isn't the the, the chain, the the mm-hmm. corporate brand. Um, how does that differentiate? Like, how does that sales cycle look compared to? Do you, are you selling the Highgate then, or are you selling to the, well, the GM I, independently on each property, or how's that look? A, a little bit of both, and we, you know, for us, for our growth, you know, we're targeting every decision maker in the process. I would, you know, urge people out there trying to sell into the hotel space. Don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call and see who that decision maker is. Uh, In the hotel space, it's a small world. The independent space is inherently smaller. And you would never know who mutual connections, friends and friends through LinkedIn, but also, you know, it's the hospitality industry. Everyone you know, our, our service motto is bend over backwards for the guests. So I would argue it's actually one of the friendliest industries to sort of call into and sell a product to because they don't know if you're a guest, they don't know if you're a future customer, <laughs> group booking, whatever. Yeah. So they're certainly more receptive. And I'd be curious back to you both, you know, I think the industry has a, a negative stigma of a long time to adopt, you know, to adapt new technologies I certainly know hotels that are still operating off of DOS-based PMS systems from, you know, I would be curious why you think that is. If Yeah, I think the technology side um, of just the difficulty of actually integrating any technology into mm-hmm. that antiquated stack that most <laughs> hotels have is definitely a barrier on the sales cycle and just the fact that the margins are so thin right anything that involves any sort of cost is going to be a challenge but I think you know your approach is really refreshing of that it is a relationship-based business Mm -hmm. so as much as you can network and leverage the network you have you can you can be successful and you can break into that sales cycle 
Um, and and kind of considering that, I know you're a hotelie, as they said. You went to Cornell mm-hmm. Hotel School. Tell me about how that network has affected your work at, at a travel startup. Certainly. And, you know, I was hotelie class of 2011. Woot, woot. Um, I, also, <laughs> I also shout out to the Blue Hens out there. I was actually at University of Delaware's HRM program before transferring to the hotel school. Both fantastic programs. And what I've seen now, I graduated in 2011, so I've been out of school for, what, eight years now? That's crazy. That's horrifying. <laughs> um, that network is is so robust, and these these niche industries-focused networks are, are paying dividends for me that, you know, I don't know if other programs or schools or industries have that opportunity. Every time I go to a conference, there's a hotel-y specific little networking event or anytime I'm, I'm doing outreach. Hey, this person was a hotel class of 85 or something. That's an immediate touch point that opens that door that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So truly blessed to have you know been a part of both outstanding programs, especially the hotel school where I am networking with my peers. We actually have another hotel working with me. Um, but unparalleled network, certainly. And in in this industry, who you know means so much. So sounds like the Cornell Hotel School network has been really impactful for you. Um, But also just generally, it is a relationship-based business and tapping into personal networks are really important for success on the sales side. So outside of Cornell, what other networks have you leveraged and that you, have you you found have been impactful for you? Certainly. So HSMAI, so the Hospitality Sales and Marketing Association is is a huge uh, group that you can, you know, become a membership of, a lot of educational opportunities, a lot of outreach and events, both locally and nationally and globally. Uh, secondly, in the U.S. specifically, the Independent Lodging Congress is really growing they do a number of curated events. So if you're interested in specifically the boutique hotel and F&B space in the, in the intersection between the two, they have some real – they just did an amazing one at the William Vale this past fall. They just had an event in Miami. There's another one coming up in the spring. So finding groups such as that, and I'm sure it's across all industries, but finding these really focused groups curated targeted groups of members who share the same backgrounds and interests that you do that's that's a great way of getting your foot in the door at a, at a very nominal cost of building the relationships so given all your experience james like across cornell and and uh these other groups and and having to work within you know larger larger hotel brands but also these independents um and the kind of in between right there's there's a lot of different opportunities mm-hmm. And, you know, at Voyager, we see them popping up every day. Um, but I'd be curious if there's, you know, some you wish existed, whether it's within the internal operations like the chain of command in in a hotel or, you know, it could be technology solutions. But is there anything that you kind of wish existed? So I would urge, especially in the independent space, I think it's important chain of command wise for that GM to empower his frontline staff and his managers and decision makers, let that group sales manager that wants to try a new solution, you know, at a nominal price point or a trial period, try it, 
see what the return is. You know, we're never going to rid ourselves of the stigma of a laggard tech industry unless, you know, there's all these companies out here making these incredible innovations. You have Alice, you know, doing the the communications and back operating systems, connecting all, you know, housekeeping to front desk to maintenance. You have seven rooms integrating F&B into the, the lodging vertical. But you, you got to try it. You got to you got to step your step outside your comfort zone a little bit and take an educated business risk knowing that okay we can allocate if we're going to allocate x dollars to marketing x dollars to you know capex x dollars to all these other parts of the the balance sheet you should have one for tech your tech stack you should have a budget for trying new things and experimenting outside of what the the status quo is if you continue to operate at the status quo and continue to just rely on Expedia as your distribution channel, if you continue to operate with that same mentality from 20 years ago, you're going to be out of business. It's it's a hyper-competitive industry, especially in the urban markets. So what are you doing to differentiate yourself, whether that's with rewards, whether that's with on-property, tech stacks? So, you know, yeah, empowerment up and down the chain of command and, and try new things. Speaking of chain of command, I also happen to know that you were in the the National Guard for for eight years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's amazing. One, thank, thank you. you for being awesome. Um, I'd be curious what it looks like. Uh, you know, having <laughs> like I said, gone to Cornell and done all this other stuff. What's the biggest difference you see from being in the National Guard to working in a travel startup? Hmm. It <laughs> it is it is a I think a lot of the experiences are translatable. So a lot of what I learned in the military, and I'm I'm done in three months, so I got a little bit of time left, and then finally sunsetting. Currently, I'm a captain and troop commander of a 96-person cavalry troop out of Philadelphia. So a lot of the soft skills, I think, are very transferable. So interacting with people from all different racial, social, economic, religious backgrounds, sort of all standing shoulder to shoulder. You know, big hospitality groups, the big brands certainly have a military hiring component, which I love to see. I think on the op side, that military structure really fits well into a hotel or restaurants operating environment. How, how, how do you mean like a military hiring structure? What does that look like? For so the whole, you know, hire veteran initiatives, that, oh, that gotcha, kind of gotcha, stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. So, and, and I love to see, I would love to see more of that. I think there's a lot of vets out there who would do well in the hospitality industry who just need that, you know, a, a little leg up to, to get them there. They can learn the hotel world because, you know, serving at the front desk is, is a lot of, a lot of similar characteristics to what you learn in the military as well. Just being able to think under pressure. You have 20 people that all want something from you at the same time. So. Got you. Yeah. And what's, uh, so that's the similarity. What's the big difference? <laughs> um, yeah, you can't curse as much in the hotel world. <laughs> you can't, uh, you can't curse at your guests. That's a big no, no. That'll, that'll get you fired. <laughs> so physical punishment doesn't fly in the hospitality industry as much as the, you know, you can't make your guests do push-ups or anything like that. Or your <laughs> housekeepers start cranking out push-ups if they, if they messed up. But 
Uh, Last time I was at the Knickerbocker, they had me do like 40 push-ups. Really? Really <laughs> what did you do? Yeah. You do <laughs> I just did it. I don't yeah. know why. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how then did you end up, you know, considering your background in the National Guard, how did you end up with Stay Wonderful? So I've been following Stay Wonderful for about, it's a two and a half, three-year-old company now. I've been following them for about two years. So I just, I have my own little repository of, I think, interesting tech companies in the hospitality space. So been following what they're doing, been following their growth, had reached out a while ago, and and, and again, an opportunity opened up uh, within the last year, which was really exciting. I see what the company's doing. I see the growth potential, not just in hotels, but broadly. So I, I decided to dive right in. Uh, I have one for you as well, I think that would be interesting. If you want to look at Redroot, which is another Cornell startup sort of ai phone answering in the travel hospitality space so absolutely always happy to take a look at at any travel and hospitality startup um and then once you joined stay wonderful how did you guys acquire your first customer because i know for a lot of startups in travel and hospitality space that first getting that first customer on board can be a challenge sure so i i had the benefit of joining a little after that that first sort of you know mvp customer and beta customers i joined uh when we probably had uh maybe 100 150 hotels on board so a little more robust of a starting point but prior to stay wonderful i was with breadcrumb point of sale where i literally you know we had two or three beta customers and grew that to 20 to 50 to over 100 and an acquisition by groupon so it is really fun, the challenges at each stage of the growth process of these early stage companies. So at Breadcrumb specifically, my cell phone number was the guest support line. You know, that <laughs> is not scalable. I like that. I would, I would encourage any founders out there to set up a separate Google Voice because I'm still getting text messages, <laughs> you know, six years later wow. saying, hey, we're, we're having issues. So... so but that's how you scale you know that's the only solution at that state of the company that makes sense financially or or what have you but growing you know it's just the the growing pains which are really fun coming up we'll stop talking shop and hear more about the personal side of james entrepreneurista a woman who organizes and operates a business, taking on greater than normal financial risks in order to do so. One who has a drive, passion, and vision with an undying determination to succeed. She is fiercely motivated, ambitious, and competitive, forging her own path to independence and success. That's an entrepreneurista. Through the conversations on the Entrepreneurista podcast, we want to celebrate failures, reflect on successes, and get unfiltered about what it takes to be your own boss. This is the Entrepreneurista podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have, with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done, and what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram, with no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneurstapodcast.com. So James, as someone who lives and breathes hotels, where do you like to stay, both when you travel for business and when you're on vacation? 
Sure. So business, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm always, regardless, I am a leisure traveler. So I am going for a conference and then staying an extra two days to try to make uh, an experience out of it or work remote for that that period of time. So I'm always searching out the new cool independent property that's opening up. Not Nothing against the big brands out there. They provide a consistent, you know, uh, level of service that's to be expected, and that's great. But I think there's something, again, about getting outside your comfort zone. When I did my travel to Europe, I actually played the hostel game and was staying in hostels, doing the backpacking experience. So, you know, that's how you meet interesting people. You're not going to necessarily meet the the co-founder of your startup at, at a Doubletree. You know, it's going to be at a more interesting environment. So, hmm. James, you've had a lot of different experiences, you know, um, and I'd be curious, what's something that you really want to learn, bef- like, next about this world or in this world? Certainly. So one of my, you know, personal goals, one, I want to be bilingual, trying to teach myself Spanish with a little babble at, you know, 20 minutes before bed. So I'm getting there. And two, I really want to learn more on the digital marketing side of things. I think the retargeting space with cookies, with GDPR coming into, you know, effect and whatever California's regulation is now, I think it's a tightrope walk. And, and, and there's that balance between privacy and conversion. So where, how is that going to shake out, you know, not just in the hotel vertical, but sort of broadly for any e-commerce platform or any, you know, digital spend scenario. So really trying to educate myself more in that space. Two questions. What is the best way for folks um, who are listening to get in touch with you? And who would you love to hear from? Who are you hoping to really connect with and why? Certainly. So James at staywonderful.com. You can find us, you know, staywonderful.com, LinkedIn, Facebook, Tinder. Um, I'm on all of them. (laughs) You can find me out there. And then who am I looking to connect with? Really, you know, two people. From the business side, you know, any independent hotels that really want to take the plunge, dive into new technologies, increase their direct bookings. You know, we're, we're looking to partner with innovative thought leading GMs and revenue managers. So if you're interested, certainly reach out. And then two, just other, you know, founders and and unique hospitality professionals in the space. Voyager has a number of really exciting startups that are, you know, sharing an office with us here. So you never know what that network's going to provide. Anyone who's also under the the broad reaches of the hospitality umbrella who's trying to disrupt, whether it's the OTA market or the traditional travel space, you know, always, always open for coffee to meet new people. Awesome. And is there a, a final thought you'd want to share? Something could be a reflection on what we've talked about today or of your experience overall? Yeah, I'd say book direct. <laughs> your independent hotels and airlines and, you know, drive that, that traffic to the property and, and not through uh, an aggregator. Awesome. Well, thanks for for hanging out with us today, James. Yeah, best. Uh, oh, Jesus, John. Yeah, yeah. You can just call us Jess. Yeah, yeah seriously. There we go. But no, thank you both for having me. So this was a great time, and, and thank you. Likewise, Sweet. my co-host, Best Chapman. Happy trails. I'm your co-host, John Matson. Bon voyage. This has been travel is your business. 
To suggest guests or content for the show, or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at travelisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, travelisyourbusiness.com. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.